Good morning, I'm Mike Peterson, and welcome to a special election preview edition of This Week in KMA Land. Today, we'll preview Tuesday's general elections with a summary of some of the key municipal and school board races in southwest Iowa, as well as some important bond issue votes. Actually, our first matchup involves one for county office. It's the race for Page County's 3rd District Supervisor's spot. It's also one of the more intriguing races on the November 7th ballot, matching incumbent Judy Clark against challenger Ron Richardson. A Page County resident for more than 50 years, Clark is no stranger to city government. She served 30 years in the county auditor's office, including 24 as auditor, before retiring in 2011. Now, Clark was appointed District 3 supervisor following Chuck Morris's resignation in January. Tuesday's referendum on the Page County jail bond issue, more on that later, necessitated a public vote on the position. Clark says she's running for the remainder of Morris's term because she enjoys serving the public. I feel like I have something to contribute to the people of Page County, and I'd like to fulfill that vacancy and the, the term that I originally was appointed to do. There are a lot of things to be done in Page County, a lot of everyday things that have to be taken care of, and I've just enjoyed serving the people of Page County, and I would like to continue that. A Page County native and Clarenda High School graduate, Richardson attended Northwest Missouri State University. After a stint in the U.S. Army, he returned to Northwest and earned his degree. He then worked for Nottoway Valley Packing Company in Clarinda, eventually becoming the company's secretary until it was sold in 1989. Richardson then spent more than 30 years in the insurance industry. Following retirement, Richardson worked in property management and part-time positions. Richardson cited his background and experience as a plus as a supervisor's candidate. I've got a wide and varied background. I know there's some people out there who say that they don't think I've got the experience for the job, but I would remind them that for decades I was at the top echelon of a couple of different organizations that had four to five times as many employees and four to five times as much revenue as our county government has. There's also some interesting city council races in KMA land, including one for the Shenandoah City Council's at-large seat between incumbent Richard Jones and challenger Seth Johnson. After growing up in a community near Dodge City, Kansas, Jones graduated from Shawnee Mission West High School, then obtained a Bachelor of Science degree in technology from Pittsburgh State University. Employed with a large automotive company, Jones and wife Jennifer lived in many communities such as Omaha, Kansas City, and Denver before finally settling down in Shenandoah in 2019. Jones was appointed to the at-large council position in May 2022 following Cindy Armand's resignation. If elected to a full four-year term, Jones says one of his priorities is to help the city oversee construction of the new wastewater treatment plant, replacing the existing plant constructed in 1963. It's something that we as the city have to do. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's just something that has to be done. And I applaud the city on working hard on it. It still has a ways to go. But I'm going to continue that work and work with the officials and the and the council members just to make sure we can avoid any cost over or construction delays or what have you. A Stanton native, Johnson has lived most of his life in southwest Iowa except for three years spent in Des Moines. Johnson holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from Iowa Wesleyan University. After a four-year employment stint with Nishner Productions, he now works remotely for Prime Therapeutics. In 2020, Johnson and a partner created No Coast Candle and still operates the Shenandoah-based business. 
One of Johnson's goals is for the city to continue its involvement with Iowa State University's community visioning program to address transportation issues, including improved sidewalks and crosswalks. One thing this community visioning program had suggested in their draw-ups was new crosswalks at 59 and Sheridan. And this was before the senior housing was being built. So I believe now more than ever, we need that with that senior housing to have better access to downtown, to hopefully get more access across Highway 59 and hopefully new sidewalks across 59 to get better access for Ivy and Walmart and all those stores for those individuals who may not drive. Incumbent 2nd District Councilman John Eric Brantner is unchallenged for re-election. Well, Tuesday's elections also feature some mayoral showdowns in the area. Three candidates are running for mayor of Sydney, including incumbent Ken Brown. After an unsuccessful candidacy in 2019, Brown was elected mayor two years later. Brown declined to meet the candidates' interview on KMA's Morning Line program for this year's elections. But in a 2019 interview, Brown says he's running for mayor because of his love of the community. My heart is here. I want to help Sydney uh, move forward. And um, I've, I've accomplished a lot of things in the last year that I've been here. And uh, I just want to continue continue doing that and uh, um, provide Sydney with the best opportunities that they have. Brown's re-election bid is opposed by two challengers, a 15-year Sydney resident. Drew LeMaster is a highway technician associate with the Iowa Department of Transportation. A former city councilman, LeMaster has three children and five grandchildren. The master listed specific reasons for running for mayor. We need to get things back in order as far as council and mayor goes. I also feel uh, pretty strongly about getting the public works guys there out there uh, doing the roads and this and that. You know, kind of get them back on track and, and on a you know better scheduling so we can get a little bit more done. Born and raised in Council Bluffs, Warren Forbes and wife Susan moved to Sydney five years ago to be closer to his job with Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad. Owners of two businesses in the community, the Forbes have two children and two grandchildren. Forbes says he's running for mayor in order to help grow the community. I've been integrating ourselves into the community here, trying to get a feel for what this community is about. And we feel that we would like to see Sydney grow and expand their businesses and the community with basically a sense of getting the community to grow, our businesses will grow. And we feel that that's a very strong point to move forward with. Another intriguing mayor's race is in Hamburg, where incumbent Harry Adams faces challenger Russell Stockstell. A 1960 Hamburg High School graduate and a retired sergeant in the U.S. Army, Adams returned to Hamburg in the late 2010s after 50-plus years working in the computer and tech industry. Adams was appointed mayor in June 2022 following Kathy Crane's resignation. Adams says he'll put experience gained as mayor and career to use for the community. My background has been in project management with a focus on technology. More recently, I've gained experience you know, as mayor uh, with managing both state and federal grants, and that's helped us grow the city. So I guess my strengths are my experience, commitment to getting the job done, and getting people to work together, probably the most important. Born and raised in Hamburg and a 1976 Hamburg High School graduate, Stockstell has been employed at Hamburg's Benildera Milling Corporation for more than 30 years. He's also a licensed waste treatment operator with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. He served six years in the Hamburg School Board, including two years as president, and recently served four years in the Hamburg City Council. Stockstell says he's running for mayor to make city government friendlier to residents. 
including reinstating the public comment period at the beginning of city council meetings. He also wants to lead Hamburg into the future. I like to think about the future of Hamburg and what I would like to help lead Hamburg toward. I'd I'd like to lead Hamburg to be in a great place to live and raise your family. I'd like it to be a friendly place, a place where things are happening, a happy place, and a peaceful place. That's kind of my goal. King of Mainland residents have a number of school board races to decide on Tuesday. In Shenandoah, incumbent Jeff Heiser and challengers Glenn Mason and Brent Twyman seek two spots on the Shenandoah School Board. A 1982 Shenandoah High School graduate, Heiser began his education career as a third-grade instructor in Farragut. He then taught at Shenandoah Middle School before K-12 principal stints at Perry and Stanton. Heiser returned to Shenandoah in 2007 to serve as Shenandoah's pre-K through fourth grade principal, then served as superintendent from 2011 to 15. Heiser served two stints on the Shenandoah School Board. His first term was from 1985 to 91. Heiser rejoined the board with his election in 2019. A former mayor, Heiser has also served as a city council member, police officer, and firefighter. Heiser says he's running for re-election because of his education experience. Well, I believe it's important to be consistent, and my educational background, I think, plays an important part in helping maybe guide other board members that don't have the experience in the background of education where I do. I continue to make sure that I keep up on current laws and finance by taking webinars, anything that's available to me almost on a weekly basis. The son of educators, Mason grew up in Tabor and Atlantic before his family moved to Loudoun in eastern Iowa, where he graduated from high school in 1969. After graduating from Northeast Missouri State University, now Truman State, in 1973, Mason embarked on a teaching career that included 17 years in the Red Oak School District. Mason retired as an instructor in the Nishna Valley District, now East Mills, in 2011, only to return to the classroom as a math teacher in the Essex School District in 2019. Mason says he's running for a school board spot because of concerns over education issues. Perhaps his biggest concern involves student behavioral problems at the lower elementary grades, not just in Shenandoah's district, but elsewhere. We seem to be the result of hostility that the parents and grandparents have towards public education, and this is a whole nationwide problem. I feel that these hostilities are the result of parents and grandparents not having a positive experience when they were in school, and because of this, that attitude has transported the school to their children and grandchildren, and, and this is one of the things I would like to try to see if we can change that. A native of Craig, a 1992 graduate of Craig R3 High School, Twyman has lived and worked in Shenandoah since 1995. In addition to working at Shenandoah's Pella Corporation plant, Twyman also spent nine years in law enforcement with Shenandoah Police and the Fremont County Sheriff's Office. Currently, Twyman works in the Malvern area. Twyman says his children, coupled with his desire to improve athletics, spurred him to run for a school board spot. You know, this year we've seen some improvements in all of our athletics so far. Last year we had some improvement also. And to just continue that, uh, work on, you know, athletics at younger ages, and that's, you know, that's where it's going to start and continue on with that. Three candidates are running for the Red Oak School Board's director-at-large position. Born and raised in Red Oak, Aaron Schmidt graduated from Red Oak High School in 1994 and has been working with Mid-American Energy since 2003, most recently taking on a supervisor role in Red Oak. 
A lifelong Red Oak resident, Schmidt says he was spurred to run for school board to get more involved in the operations and direction of the school district and community. I do take a lot of pride in being from Red Oak, and I want to see our school systems do well. I want to see people want to come to Red Oak. I want to see, you know, obviously, like, businesses come to Red Oak. I've been very active in fundraisers and, you know, just lots of charity events of trying to better, like, our ball fields and cleanup work and just you know, making things look nice to where Red Oak's a place where people want to come to. Born in Orlando, Ashley York has lived in various states throughout the country, settling down in Red Oak for the past 10 years. York has spent the past year working at Oak Valley Animal Health and worked for four years as a paraprofessional with the Red Oak School District. York says she's running for school board to continue to improve the offerings available for students in the community. I've always been one of those people that it, directly influences our children um, and it makes a huge significant influence to our community. Our children are our future and I want our community to thrive and if we give our children everything that they need and and they are capable of growing and whatnot, then we're going to have a great community. A Red Oak High School graduate, Scott Bruce, earned an associate's degree in animal science from Highland Community College in Kansas before returning to Red Oak and working on the family farm and eventually taking on a leadership role at Bruce Supply and Construction with his father. Noting he doesn't have a particular agenda, Bruce says he's running for school board to hopefully be a voice for collaboration between students, parents, staff, and the community. I think we need to be a little bit more involved with each other and knowing what each other's doing. And, and you know, there's some, there's some advantages, there's some goods of working together. And I think sometimes we... We forget that, and I want to learn. You know, I have a lot to learn, too. I mean, I'm not going on there with all the right answers. I don't think there's anybody that can. Um, But I also know that I'm an open-minded person. I'm a good listener. I want to be an active listener. Welcome back to our special This Week in KMA Land election preview. In addition to major city council and school board races, KMA Land residents will also decide some big bond issue referendums, including a $16.7 million bond issue for construction of a new Page County Jail. If approved by a 60% supermajority, the bond issue would cover construction of a 19,700-square-foot facility that would house the Page County Sheriff's Office in 911 or PageCom Dispatch Center. More pressing, the facility would also replace the current 87-year-old facility. Page County Sheriff Lyle Palmer tells KMA News the current jail, which is also using secondhand cells transported from Missouri, has outlived its expected lifespan. It has served the people of Page County very well, but for the last 20 years, the state jail inspector has basically been telling us it is coming to an end. You, you have to do something. And that's what these meetings are about, to educate the people on where we're at with this facility. Over the years, Palmer says the jail staff addressed a long list of maintenance and safety issues with the facility. However, he says several problems are beyond repair, with the structure not built for updated classifications and regulations. Some of these conditions we can't fix. And if you start to try to fix them, you have to then meet the complete new classifications of not only male-female separation, but then you have convicted, non-convicted, simple misdemeanors and felons. And as well as now with all the new classifications that they have for sight and sound, 
there's no way we can make this facility work. Greg Wild is with Samuels Group, the architectural firm assisting the county in identifying the need and design of a new jail. Wild says the new facility would cover 12 classifications of inmates compared to the current facility, which can only accommodate three. You don't want co-defendants in the same cell block putting their stories straight before they ever get interviewed and such. So, um, and that's, you don't want maximum security, high-risk individuals in with minimum security folks. You don't want males and females in the same cell. So 12 classifications allow you to separate people and keep that facility safe and secure. Plans call for 12 double bunk general population cells, two dorms for minimum risk prisoners, two isolation cells, five special needs cells, and a juvenile detention center. Wild says there will be three ADA-compliant cells and two padded cells. He also highlighted the addition of a large sally port behind the facility. There's a sally port to the back, so it's a contained space. Officer, the doors go up. The officer pulls a vehicle in or an ambulance can pull in. The doors go down. They get locked. And then the inmates are transported into the facility or out of the facility. So it's very secure. If passed by the voters November 7th, Wild says the facility would take roughly two and a half years to complete. For the second time in less than a year, voters in the Clarenda School District go to the polls Tuesday on a bond issue referendum for major facilities upgrades. Back in March, as you'll recall, voters soundly defeated a $14 million bond issue and a 10-year physical plant and equipment levy by nearly 60% of the vote. Following that defeat, school officials regrouped and met with a committee of community members and some area farmers to hammer out a second bond issue attempt for the Tuesday election. Now, Clarinda School Superintendent Jeff Private tells KMA News the result was a $10.3 million referendum addressing the district's immediate building need. Many of the building issues involve Clarinda's 712 complex such as renovation to the building's media center and administration offices to provide more space for special education programs. Right now we've cut that in half with our program special ed at the middle school level, so that needs to all be renovated to get back our media center. We're going to change the high school, current high school offices will then become the special ed area. When we get that done, that creates a nice space for those kids to learn and uh, have some privacy in their education, um, which they do need, which we're not providing right now. Privia says Clarenda High's auditorium, long a focal point for performances in the district and community, needs ADA upgrades. We're going to make a bigger foyer area, um, ADA-compliant restrooms. We're going to have an aisle down the middle, so we will lose some seating, but we will gain some of that back, we believe, uh, with the final design of adding some seats up top uh, at the top level. Then we're also going to look at opening up the uh, sound booth room, so so more of an open air so they can hear what's going on up front and uh, make adjustments from there. Projects identified at the pre-K-6 building include renovation to the building's entryway. We're going to flip-flop where the entrances are now and make them a lot more like the high school, so it's a safe, secure entrance where you have to be buzzed in. And we have that now, but then there's a long hallway before you get to a secretary. Now when you're buzzed in, you'll go directly to a secretary. The secretary will buzz you in to the next level. With the reduced price tag comes a lower tax asking. In fact, the updated proposal reduces the levy from the original $4.04 per thousand dollars valuation in the March referendum to $1.80 per thousand for this bond issue vote. What that means, that's your taxable income. 
Um, so if you had a $100,000 home, it would cost you $6.62 a month or just under $79 a year, just right at $79 a year. You know, if you have a $200,000 home, you would double that. And if you had a $300,000 home, you would triple that. So right now we've really cut that taxpayer impact back as far as we can. Another bond issue referendum is on the Glenwood School District ballot, a $39.9 million bond issue addressing a long wish list, including an extensive renovation of Northeast Elementary School. Projects slated for Northeast Elementary include an addition housing the Kids Place Early Childhood Center. Currently, Kids Place is located inside the Glenwood School District's administration building on the Glenwood Resource Center campus. But with the GRC scheduled to close in late June of next year, Glenwood School Superintendent Dr. Devin Embray says now is the time to move it to Northeast Elementary. We've been working with the state to provide other facilities up here uh, for possible administrative offices and possible innovation center for our uh, high school strands. However, there's not a, a building or a place for Kids Place to go. And so in looking at our renovation of Northeast Elementary, uh, placing Kids Place on Northeast Elementary seemed like the most logical thing that we could do to uh, ensure that we had an early childhood daycare setting uh, for our community. In order to achieve an immersive learning environment, the renovations include the installation of Invention Land classrooms at both Northeast and West Elementary. Based on a concept in Pennsylvania, Invention Land is aimed at a new generation of learners, encompassing STEM-related curricula. Embraces the advent of artificial intelligence or AI in education necessitates the change. When we think about having to compete with AI moving forward in the future, one of the big things that uh, AI can't do is be innovative and creative, and we really need to challenge our, our students uh, in those two areas to make sure that they're equipped with what they need when they graduate. Other projects are planned for Glenwood Middle School, including major heating and air conditioning renovations and the installation of new LED lights. Embray says the boiler in the building's basement was installed in 1964 and has endured many repairs over the years. The heating and cooling system and the lighting system within that building are pretty archaic. The boiler system is about a 19... 60-some version, 55% efficient, and we really want to make that more efficient. So we're going to be looking to put a 98% efficient boiler in and then replacing all the LED lighting or all the lighting in the building with LED. For the first time in more than a quarter century, there is a bond issue referendum in the Lewis Central School District. Voters will decide on a $90 million bond issue November 7th. Lewis Central School Superintendent Dr. Brett Hosink says the bond issue would address four main goals. The first involves fixing major infrastructure issues estimated at $22 million. Hosink says the projects include not only HVAC, roofing, and ADA work, but also traffic-related issues such as the vehicle flow at Titan Hill Elementary School onto Harry Langdon Boulevard. What we'd like to do is we'd like to expand the lane on Titan Hill, which allow up to 47 more cars to get off of Harry Langdon. Should alleviate the traffic for everybody in that area at that point. And then um, redo the parking lots at the middle school and high school. Eliminate, you know, fixing our drainage issues that we have down in there and then making sure that traffic queuing in those areas and egress to our buildings is is better and safer. Goal number two, construction of a new elementary building with an early childhood center estimated at $35 million. Saying early education has been an afterthought in the district, Hosink says the early education wing 
would address the disparity in preschool services related to income and space. Traditionally, you already have a discrepancy between students that are economically advantaged and economically disadvantaged, but we're starting off their educational careers with that, with a wider gap because some of those students will have two years of preschool and some of those students will have zero years of preschool. And we as a school district, because we don't have any more room, we can only offer preschool for up to 85 students. Hosing says the third goal is renovation to the district's middle school, while the fourth goal is constructing a $15 million addition onto Lewis Central Middle School with space for additional classrooms, band and choir rooms, and space for trade-related programs. Now, polls are open Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And a reminder, KMA News will have live election coverage with election night in KMA land Tuesday evening at 8 p.m., We'll be covering the major races that you've heard talked about on this program this morning. We'll also have results online at KMALand.com from several counties in KMA Land. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.